0: Hello, everyone. This is Rebecca Green for the Palooza podcast. And I am so excited to have Dr. Steve Hodges with me today. Um, Dr. Steve, thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: He is the country's foremost authority on bedwetting, potty training and childhood constipation. Dr. Steve Hodges is an Associate Professor of Pediatric Urology at Wake Forest University School of Medicine. He has authored numerous journal articles and several books for children and parents, including Bedwetting and Accidents Aren't Your Fault, and the MOP MOP book, a guide to the only proven way to stop bedwetting and accidents. Dr. Hodges' goal is to let families know that the stigmatized issue of bedwetting often gets misdiagnosed and goes untreated because most parents are not aware that constipation is actually the main cause. Dr. Hodges offers strategies backed by solid scientific research for resolving bedwetting once and for all. Awesome. Let's jump into this. Let's learn Let's more it.
1: about this. Yeah, for sure.
0: So, tell us first, how did you become the country's leading authority on bad wedding? How did this happen?
1: Yeah, what a dubious honor. So, it's interesting because most people that do what I do, and I'm not judging. This, this is not good or bad. This is just a reality. Um, try to get out of seeing the referrals for wedding because it's not a surgical problem, you know, and because a lot of kids outgrow it. So most places have a clinic set up so that if you have a wetting problem, you see, you don't see the urologist, even though you get referred to him, you see a physician extender that gives you kind of a cookbook solution um, that may or may not be effective. And so the urologist never see it at my uh job at my place of work we don't have physician extenders to see anybody we see them all ourselves mm. so I was seeing these kids um treating them the way that we've been taught to treat them um and I'd see them back and I would have really poor outcomes honestly and so I started getting interested in like you know I kind of honestly got you get embarrassed when you see people back, you know, every few months they're no better and you're, you're giving them the therapy is supposed to work. I, I yeah. do think a lot of people get written off as just difficult cases, you know. And so I started doing some research into it and then I had a couple of just really interesting events that serendipitously guided me towards my research and mm-hmm. got better results and started just uh, – and I think it's a topic most people aren't interested in maybe because it's weird, you know, because it involves a lot of poop.
0: You know what I think? I think it's an unspoken topic that we need to talk more about. That's what I think.
1: Yeah, and I don't know why, but yeah, it's. uh, I I make a joke um, that I presented my first tell story. I presented my first paper at a meeting on bedwetting, and I didn't know what to call the fact (laughs) that there's poop in the rectum but no one knows it so, mm. I, uh, so i called it a cult mega rectum because that's what it is it's a scientific description it's a cult you don't know it's there and it's a dilated rectum and i showed that this is a commonly caused of bedwetting and i thought it was pretty good data afterwards everyone just when I talk to my colleagues, they just made fun of the title. <laughs> They're like a cult mega rectum. I'm like, oh my, are you serious right now?
0: <laughs> You're like, hey, we can we get past this and actually? I know. People. Yeah, these are like
1: <laughs> these are like 55 year old urologists. You know, it's not like it's uh, a people. Oh, so it's tough for anybody, I guess.
0: Well, okay. let's back up for a minute, and then we'll go back to this. But you know, you talk about potty training. So let's start with potty training. You said not to do it too soon because we'll avoid consequences if we if we don't do it too soon. Can you talk more to us about that?
1: Yeah, so I think that couple points here. Puppy training is a natural process; should happen naturally, kind of like crawling, walking. You know, mm. it, it happens on its own. Um, and if it doesn't happen. From a, at a certain time frame, maybe like uh, we decide for or something, then you could say maybe something's wrong. But uh, I found that a lot of people would, you know, for various reasons, maybe family pressure or expense of, of diapers, would try to push early training. And if the kids got it really young, um, parents were proud and happy, but they never followed up on it to see if the kids were actually going to the bathroom. Mm. And kids that get it at a young age are just good withholders. That means they just really know how to hold things in. And so I found they would hold things in too much, and then they show up two or three years later with accidents. Um, so I became really dogmatic about look, you you know you have to have them peeing and pooping regularly till at least three, pooping you know soft mushy bowel movements um, before you even think about it. And as we've gotten more in the research, I think I definitely is the right opinion. But some people just don't have the genes for accidents. You know, there's their bladders are really resistant to the constipation. And so I'm not so dogmatic. I mean, if you have no family history, you might get away with a constipated kid, not have problems, but that, that doesn't mean it's good to be constipated. So I do recommend training later, but I'm not as aggressive as I used to because there's always gonna be a case of a kid that trained really early and did fine. But I think the science behind it is still solid.
0: Well, and it's, it's so interesting. You know, I didn't get to talk to you when my kids were little, but, you know, they started school at three
1: Pre-school, preschool. Yeah.
0: The Preschool was like, you have to be potty trained. And I was like, oh, my God,
1: <laughs> that is a so- is a major point that we, you know, I've written several letters to preschools to say, please don't make them be potty trained. And I get it from the preschool side. They don't want to have diapers and especially poop stuff. Yeah. But I think three, you know, a lot of kids may not be ready. Maybe four. Yeah, yeah I could see it because um, if you're not trained at four, then probably you, you got something else going on. Mm-hmm. But um, three is pushing it a little bit. None of my kids were ready at three um, three and a half, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, well, and you know, it's so funny because I hear so many parents tell me that their kids will outgrow it. You know, their kids are bedwetters. Oh, they'll outgrow it. Where, you know, where does that myth come from and why can't we assume that?
1: So it's, it's, yeah, it's, this is interesting debate. Number one is bedwetting ever normal. That's a question, right? I I don't think it is. I think if you're, Wetting the bed while you're unconscious, it's, it's not normal. But so many kids do it up to about the age of five. It's considered kind of normal, quote-unquote normal. Um, and then at five, the, the re- resolution rate drops off and it tapers off. At like it, well, it stabilizes about 15% a year. So there is something to the fact that kids outgrow it. The problem is when will they outgrow it, right? And so everyone's been told – that's basically all the people I see in clinic. They're like 10, 12 years old. And they said that we were told we'd not grow it every year for the checkup. We've been changing sheets every night for seven years. We're sick oh of this, my gosh. right? Yeah. yeah. So I think it's better to assume that if you're wetting the bed while you're asleep, especially if you're awake, you know, having accents or any kind of accents like that, that you um, seek uh, care and, and, and get it addressed because you can definitely resolve the problem a lot sooner if you're proactive.
0: Well, and there's so many myths. I mean, I, I was writing down things. You said things my friends have said, you know, their bladder's underdeveloped. It's genetic. They're in a deep sleep. So, I mean, these are all things that people are saying about it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because even parents I get, but even pediatricians or maybe my own colleagues will kind of put out. Uh, suggestions on causes that are basically, you know, you would come up with, it seem right, like, you know, like the earth seems flat, but it's not, right? And um, people think, well, they seem like they sleep really deeply, but there's much more to it. They seem like they they make too much pee at night. And none of that's been proven. They, and it, there's always these parents always think, well, I was told they have to develop a hormone. There's no hormone. I mean, you can give a medicine that affects the hormones that makes you make less pee, but it's not like God designed us to make a hormone. So we wet the bed until we're a certain age. There are clear signs that kids withhold pooping and and young kids that can affect bladder spasms. The guy that first described this, I mean, it's it's a really irrefutable study. He basically took all bedwetters. It was Dr. O'Regan was the guy that um, influenced our research. His own son was bedwetting, which is how he got into this, and he fixed Mm -hmm. his own son. But he basically took a bunch of kids after he figured out why his son was wetting, and he diagnosed constipation in them or a dilated rectum, so to speak. And he would do it an old-school way. He would – because what we're talking about constipation is we're meaning that they're holding on too much poop at the end of their colon. So their rectum or the end of the colon is overstretched, okay? So he would do a test where he put a balloon in their bottom, which would be a very, you know, not, most, not many parents would openly approve of this. But you put a balloon in their bottom and you start inflating it and you see when they feel it, right? That makes sense. So if you feel it at a normal size and we know what normal size is supposed to be, then yeah. the rectum is okay. But if, it, if, they, if, they, if you really inflate that balloon for them to feel it, then their colon is too dilated. So he found that all these kids had these dilated colons that had delayed sensation to this balloon. And then he studied their bladders, and he would see that the bladders would kind of go haywire when you fill them up with fluid. Mm. And then he gave them enemas, noticed documented that the rectum shrunk down, and then retest the bladders, and the bladders were normal. So, yeah, and that's the best study I've ever seen uh, with regards to this problem.
0: Okay, so... Let's say that you are just a parent at home. There's no balloon. There's no emma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How how, you know, it's undetected, it's untreat untreated, it's um misunderstood. How can we as parents detect help detect constipation?
1: I think you know there's phases to this. Like early on, babies when they're breastfed or formula fed typically poop um pretty soft, mushy poop and there's not issues. Although very early on, like first days of life, there can be a condition called dyskesia where they're just pooping for the first time out in the real world and it doesn't feel right.
0: Mm. And they may
1: hold it. I remember my oldest would strain like crazy to poop and then just mustard seeds would come out, you know, nothing hard. And I'm like, that's so interesting to me because I'd read about it, but then I was seeing it firsthand. Mm-hmm. But most of them get over that. And if they don't, you know, you should talk to a pediatrician. Um, but most of them get to the point where they're just kind of pooping mushy poop and they don't mind it. But then something happens whether it's starting rice cereal, uh, dairy, milk, solid foods, maybe an illness that needed antibiotics that kind of gave them diarrhea for a second and then it got firm again, something sets them off when they start this withholding. And you will pick it up in most kids. So if you see that, definitely aggressively treat it. You don't want a kid straining to poop, and there's ways to fix that. The other point is if they're having accidents and you never noticed anything, like they're pooping completely normally – Just think about, you know, okay, my kid's wetting themselves. Dr. Hodges said this is pathological. You know, what's the cause, right? And maybe see a doctor. Maybe there's another cause. You know, there are kids that have neurologic disorders, anatomic disorders that you would want picked up. So I think it's important to not ignore the actions. But if they get a clean bill of health, everything checks out completely right, and they're not not dry, you could either ask for an X-ray to diagnose the poop, or you could just, you know look at our signs, and you'll probably find some of them, very large poops, you know, stuff like that. And you could start our treatment protocol, and they would likely improve.
0: That's amazing. I mean, until I found you, or you found me, whichever way it was, I had no idea that this was connected. I mean, I will tell you, parents have no idea that this is connected.
1: Yeah, I've been grinding it out for 10 years now, trying to get the word out. It's it's amazing. And it's very difficult to, I think the internet's a great great thing, because that's how, you know, we find each other, and we can spread news, but it's also, yeah. there's so many opinions out there, it's, it's difficult to rise above the, because if I just say, you know, constipation causes bedwetting, and then somebody else says, well, you know, my kid sleeps too deeply, or my kid has a hormone problem, or my kid, um, you know, you could fix it with this oil or something, it's just hard for people to see, and there is no immediate fix, like, if you mm. if you come to see me, and we put you on a bowel program, you're not going to be better right away, so uh, people really have to believe it. And I don't know how else to put it other than it just makes the most sense. And when I've, when I've compared all the um, outcomes for treatment, um, ours is definitely the best. I, I would be completely open to better ways to resolve this. If there was like a new way to get kids rectum empty, I'm all for it. I just can't, you know, I'm always looking for the best way, the fastest way to get the rectum empty. We've tried enemas, Xlax, suppositories. And I'm not opposed to using bedwetting alarms or medicines because they can all kind of bridge you to cure or help minimize the symptoms while you're trying to fix the colon. But I have never seen someone with a, you know, normal anatomy, normal brain and spinal cord have accents and not have this colon problem.
0: Well, and it's interesting because parents even think that it's a behavioral issue. They think that this, they don't even realize that it's medical. They might even think that their kid is, you know having something behavioral going on with
1: them. Yeah, and that is a that's the biggest tragedy. And I think if we do anything, if we could save maybe some children from abuse or uh, physical or emotional over access, that would be a great accomplishment. And I'm not saying kids don't put off peeing or pooping. And I will tell you this though, putting off pooping is common and it's it's the reason we're talking right now. And that you can fix with the protocol we have. But the kids, so... If you can follow this correctly, if you have uh, the normal urge to pee, like you or I, you could hold it for a while, and you'd be like, "Okay, I gotta go." But mm-hmm. you don't you don't catch me or you like doing the potty dance like kids do or squatting down because you have to go. And what we found <laughs> out is that sure, it looks like oh, they just wait to the last minute, they just wait to the last minute, they just wait to the last minute. But in reality, when you have a gradual rise in the urge to pee. Like I said before, it's a natural process, and your body makes you go pee. It's like being hungry. It's not like you, I can't not eat. Like if I try not to eat, I will have to eat eventually. I can't not not sleep, right? So you have to go pee. But when you're constipated, that slope gets so steep because of the nerve signals from the rectum that they, it, they get they go from zero to hundred. You know, they go from I don't have to pee. You ask them, do you have to pee? They say no, and then they pee on themselves or have to rush to the bathroom. And so that's what makes parents so frustrated and they want to blame the kids. But if they understood the how it happens, then they would see why they act like that. And I often and to tell parents, if you had his bladder, you would probably act the same way. Um, and you know, there's nothing wrong with putting a kid on the potty if they have problems peeing every hour to see if they can empty. But it rarely yeah. works because mm-hmm. they'll sit on the potty. They don't feel like they have to pee, so they don't do anything. They mm-hmm. get off the potty and have an accident because it comes out of nowhere. So if you understand how it happens, then maybe you could be a little bit more you know, patient with a kid, although it is frustrating, um, when they have to pee 20 times an hour or something, cause their poop is, is blocked. But once you understand it, you can treat it a little bit easier as well.
0: I mean, it's such good information. I mean, so what would you tell a parent whose kid is bedwetting? Like what's the first step to take?
1: I tell you what I, what I did is, is, first off is just make sure they're pooping regularly when they're a child. You know, if they're strained to poop, if they're putting out, huge poops that you're shocked the child was able to produce, then don't just let that slide. Immediately start giving them something. Talk to your pediatrician. Help them out with um, osmotic laxatives or dietary changes or whatever. So they poop mushy poop without like mental stress over it. And that will save you the most trouble. But if you get the point like, you know, and it's interesting, my I have three girls. My oldest needed help pooping. My youngest needed help pooping. My middle one was kind of the one that would just kind of grind it out, right? You never never complain, just kind of get it out, and so I never really thought too much about it. And she was the one that wet the bed, and so she was wetting the bed after we potty, and I'm like, interesting. She got backed up because she never complained.
0: Ah. I gave her Miralax
1: right away, cleaned her out, and she was dry in a month. And it was, and I hate to even mention this because um, I know parents are suffering this for years, but like a month of changing sheets was like too much for me. I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, and, I, um, I
0: can't you know, imagine. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be going crazy.
1: It, it is, it is frustrating. And so, yeah, and we were, luckily she's a mild case and she wasn't backed up and I jumped right on it. So she was yeah. empty and, and she did fine.
0: That's wonderful. Um, I'm going to selfishly ask you a question about my children. Please. They, they, um, give me trouble about going to the bathroom at school and, you know, just Like, let's just talk about constipation for two seconds. If they're telling me that they're holding it all day at school, is that going to cause them issues?
1: Yeah, that's a big, big problem. You're hitting all the big issues we deal with. Um, So if I have a kid that I'm trying to get them dry, and my message is, you know, I give the parent the list of medications to give, the enemas or suppositories or Miralax, and then I always turn to the kid, I say, you have only one job for this whole process, is to poop when you feel it, (laughs) Uh, you know? But if they hold it all day, you know, in school, because they refuse to go, and then they go, we're we're just taking one step forward, one step back, right? We're not making progress. But it's tough. So I, I've I've given kids, you know, notes. They have free access to the bathroom. I've tried to come up with creative ways. Maybe use a private restroom if one's allowed allowed. Have access to the teacher's lounge. But it's an issue. I mean, if your kid has accents, you really have to get creative, and you have to talk to your child in the school system. If they don't have accents, you're lucky. But it's a big problem that kids don't go. And I've thought about, you know, speaking to the schools about this, but I mean, they're not gonna build private restrooms in every public school in America just for this problem, I wouldn't think. But it would be nice if they had that because it's tough to go. Kids mess with you, it's not a safe environment. And then, you know, we had all that that TikTok stuff. I don't know if you followed it last month where they were did you see that? There's like a trend, a, a TikTok trend where oh, they were destroying bathrooms. I so, see yeah. That. I was like what hope is there for humanity? <laughs> I'll answer that. There's there's zero hope. But um, so they
0: couldn't
1: even go to the bathroom because they were clogged up. So uh, it's a problem.
0: It's a problem. Yeah. It's a problem. So to all the parents listening, how many times a day should our children be going to the bathroom?
1: So for urination, you know, no more than eight, uh, but more than once or twice, obviously when they need to. For pooping, I, I tied into more just – you want one to two mushy, large bowel movements a day. That's ideal. Okay. You don't want them to be going lots of times a day. You want them to go – and again, I, I every time I make like a dogmatic rule, someone says – someone runs with it so much that I feel bad. So if your kid's pooping every day and it's soft or every other day it's really soft, they have no problems, then yeah. don't like give them a bunch of laxatives to make them poop every day. Yeah. But yeah. you want to be regular and you want to keep track of it. If parents just kept track of their kid's bowel movements – made sure that they went um, regularly, talked about it a little bit, as much as they talk about diet and exercise, I think we'd be in much better shape.
0: Yeah, we don't talk about it. I said to my um, nine-year-old, I said, did you go to the bathroom today? And she goes, no. And I said, you know, you're supposed to go every day. And she goes, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. (laughs)
1: Exactly. And we don't even talk. And I'm like, I always say, I'll say, you know, if you eat every day, you should poop every day. Yes. And, you yes. know, yeah, we're adults, so we we don't have any – we have our own schedule. We have we, can, we don't mind going to the bathroom. We drink coffee. There's lots of reasons for yes. us to go. Yeah. And so we take for granted. Another thing, too, is like when they're – think of back when they were a baby, how often they wet their diaper because their bladder was growing. They wet their diaper a lot. Yes. They pooped regularly, and you would change it if you needed. And then once it's locked in on their own and they're doing their own thing, people kind of lose track. I mean we all get busy. So, yeah, if yeah. we can just teach parents to just talk about it, I think yeah. we'd, we'd have an accomplishment.
0: Yes, that is new for me, and I realized I do not talk about it. So, you're helping me too, for sure.
1: It's so funny. Um, I made I may have talked about it too much because when I would come home from work, that's the first thing my kids would tell me if they pooped. <laughs> yeah. But it worked out; they never had yes, problems. Yes, but
0: they should be telling us, and, yeah, yeah. and I sh- and I shouldn't just be assume I shouldn't just assume that they're going every day. Like that's yeah. not that's not the parenting.
1: I don't really care the answer to the question, because I know if a kid's seeing me, they're constipated, but I always yeah. ask, and they just look at each other, right? Like, how often do you poop, and the parents and the kid look at each other, and it's kind of, yeah, it's obviously not tr- kept track of.
0: Yep, yep. Well, tell me, what else would you like to share that I didn't ask you?
1: So, I think, you know, potty training is um, a natural process, and kids can have issues with it, but after three, before four, usually happens naturally. The mm. biggest way to Make sure that it will happen is by keeping regular bowel movements coming out. You don't want the kid stressed out about pooping. The kid should be playing with their Legos, poop, keep playing. They shouldn't like mm. hide in a corner, red faced, um, praying to God for relief. That should not happen. <laughs> so if you keep them from doing that, then they do much better. Yes. But if they do have accents, pee or poop, don't let anyone tell you that it's either purposeful or will go away because there could be serious medical conditions. I'm talking about just constipation, but maybe they had a spinal cord issue. All right. So just get them mm-hmm. evaluated. And if everything else checks out, they don't have a normal spinal cord, normal anatomy, normal healthy kid, and they're having accents that they can't feel, um, then it's, it's what we're talking about. They got backed up. They basically, think of it this way. Simple way to think is they held in, they held in, they held in, they held in. Their body just we're just going to start taking letting it out without asking you. And so the body takes over and lets it out
0: makes total sense. Total sense. We'll tell everyone where to go find you.
1: Yeah. So we have a website. It's uh, bedwettingandaccidents.com. And then I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Dr. Steve Hodges. And we also have a Facebook page, um, Bedwetting and Accents, a public forum, which is just Bedwetting and accents, And then we have Mm. a private forum, which is paid. And then we also have a parents only uh, private forum for people that are kind of don't want to be so open about these i hate that that's the case but you know the internet's forever so people often don't want to talk about the child's accents um um, in in the public setting
0: i totally understand well i appreciate you getting the word out about this and i'm confident that you're helping uh, a ton of families
1: Uh, thank you thank you for helping me do that
0: well thank you thank you so much for being on and for taking time out of your busy schedule awesome